Hello, everybody. Welcome to You Love to See It, a podcast where we watch movies and TV shows and then tell you all about them. This week, we watched Kingsglaive colon Final Fantasy XV, and not the other way around for some reason, the animated prequel to the divisive last installment in the numbered Final Fantasy franchise. I am Stephen Strum, managing editor of Fanbyte.com, once again, here again to talk about a Final Fantasy movie. Uh, <laughs> and I am once again joined by... Natalie Flores, our weekend writer for Fanbyte.com. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Are you, though? <laughs> I'm ecstatic to talk about this movie. Thank you. Okay, well, um, with that kind of warm welcome, let's just move right on to Colin, <laughs> our guides writer for Fanbyte.com, who is also joining us for more Final Fantasy content. How are you doing, Colin? Good. I, I actually played Final Fantasy 15, so I can actually give some slightly more form <laughs> takes than the Final Fantasy 7 podcast. Oh, yeah, so now you finally know who Sephiroth is, now that you've played Final Fantasy XV. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> uh, and joining us for the first time ever, I think, on any Fanbyte podcast, if I'm not mistaken, which feels yes. like a crime. Yes? Yeah. Damn. Holy shit. Well, finally, we can welcome a freelance writer and, like, friend of the site, person who has written for the site multiple times at this point, uh, Ginny yes. Wu. Hi. Woo. Hi. Hi, Woo. how are you doing? Uh, okay, well, it's... Quarter past six in the morning. I've been awake since three and I've had three coffees. <laughs> uh -huh. So we'll let the audience decide how they think I'm doing. Yeah, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> I could have told you, you could have said, hey, one o'clock your time is 6 a.m. my time. And we could have find, found a different time. But instead you said, no, that works great. And I was like, OK. Yeah, well, <laughs> OK, like to be absolutely Jenny fair on me, sleep. I got y'all mixed up with UK time. Mm, OK. Um, which is, and I was like, yeah, that's like one in the morning my time. I'll still be awake. It's okay. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh-huh. No, it's, Either way, it's, it sounds yeah. bad. But I'm here yeah. now. It's cool. It's cool. I'm here. We made it. We made yeah. it, baby. Three cups of coffee in. I haven't had any coffee today. I can't get any coffee around here right now because I always get it from the grocery store and I don't want to like mm. subject the workers there to it. Yeah. Uh, so all I've had today for caffeine is a can of uh, Cherry Coke Zero that I have in my Ooh. fridge. That's my, that's my breakfast today. Could so. it be worse? Could have been King's Glaive Final Fantasy. <laughs> Damn it, Natalie. <laughs> so Girl, I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> okay. For context, I, me and Ginny are sort of married, but we're not going to be for long because our opinions on this movie differ so wildly. Yeah. Just yeah. for the listeners to get some background and lore yeah, yeah. Stephen, and here, Stephen and me are just witnesses to this divorce honestly right. we're just here for the court uh, when they need people to confirm that this happened mm -hmm. yeah. this is all just legal proceedings yeah. yeah this is a live divorce happening right now for content <laughs> yeah. so y'all know be excited please be um, excited as they say please clap <laughs> Uh, well, you know what I, what I said right before we started this was that we should just get right into it. So I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to give the description of the movie and for people who haven't mm -hmm. seen it already, because, uh, we know that there is at least one person out there who hasn't seen the massive, su massively successful Kingsglaive. So let's give the plot synopsis and then let's just, you know, let you two fight. Uh, oh yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Stephen is like the ringleader, like go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like over here rubbing my hands together, like mm, just ready to fucking like watch this go for ten Please rounds. Please join you know? in too, though. It's not just the and Ginny. We appreciate Colin oh, no. and yeah. Stephen. We appreciate all supporters it. and detractors. I will end yeah. all detractors, but you know, if no. <laughs> we appreciate all attempts at saving this marriage, even though they will 
not fail. Yeah, yeah it's like, I mean, fail. It's okay. It's weird. We're all recording from different locations in the world, and you wouldn't think that somebody holding a knife on the other end of a Discord call would be as threatening as it is. But it really gets the point across <laughs> when Jimmy's yeah, doing I'm, it. I'm, I'm armed and ready. All right. <laughs> I'll change uh, my to Aerith with the gun hand me. Yes. Wait, uh, okay, wait, I'll do it right now. Wait, I've I've got this. Wait, no. Hmm. Uh-huh. Wait. Yeah, this live, is amazing. We need to changes. actually capture the whole row of display pictures just for context, because Collins yeah. is just priceless. I don't know <laughs> what's going All on right. there. We've, we've yeah. done there it. We we've yes, done perfect. <laughs> perfect, All right. yeah. Pulling that up, control V, there we go. And we're all good. Uh, yeah. Either that is going to be the promo art for this episode or just the image of Aerith holding a gun is going to be the promo art for this episode. Amazing. <laughs> all right. I've, I actually need to say what this movie is. We knew this was going to be a fun one, Steven. Oh, yeah, I know. This is going to be a shit show from the beginning, I think is the word you were looking for. Yeah. Sean Bean deserves better. <laughs> We'll he dies okay. in every movie. He'll be fine with it. Yeah, he's immortal. Uh, Kingsglaive runs parallel with the events of Final Fantasy XV, it says here, focusing on Regis Luce's Calum. I don't know what C means in Roman numerals. C-X-I-I-I. <laughs> the father of main character Nocta just... Oh, boy, I'm, I'm not supposed to be the one with one brain cell, but here we are. The main protagonists are from Kingsglaive. Uh, from the Kingsglaive, an elite combat core who share Regis's magical powers and defend the kingdom of Lucis and its crystal, capital C, from the invading empire of Niflheim. Faced with continued detrimental conflict, Regis accepts an armistice with Niflheim, colon, as part of the peace treaty, his son must marry Lady Lunafreya of Nox Florae of the Imperial province of Tenebrae. Jesus, so many... Proper nouns. The treaty this game turns. This exhausting. It is the the intro. To, mm, we'll get to it. The treaty <laughs> turns out to be a ruse for Niflheim to invade, and Kingsglaive soldier Nix Ulrich is caught up with Regis and Lunafreya in a battle to secure the future of Lucis. The movie's cast voice cast includes uh, Go Ayano, Shiori Katsuna, Kutsuno. Mm, God damn it, Katsuna and uh, Sutomo Is Isobe in Japanese, and Aaron Paul, Lena Headey, and Sean Bean in English. And to, to just kick things off, can I get what everyone's history with Final Fantasy and how well this movie captures it is? Uh, do we want to start with Colin? Because Colin, you did mention that you uh, <laughs> this is a game that you've actually played in the Final Fantasy franchise before. Yes, so if you've listened to the Final Fantasy VII podcast, which if you haven't, shame on you, uh, I have a very small history with Final Fantasy. Uh, I've played 15, I've played 3, I just played the remake of 7, and that's about my history with it. So Final Fantasy 15 and was my first one. Mm -hmm. So I have a very skewed version of this series. <laughs> so I bet. Uh, yeah. um, but, uh, I mean... I mean, I generally enjoyed 15 as easy as it was for just like a narrative like story, but I don't I don't know this. I thought the movie was good. I thought for I mean, compared to like Advent Children, which is just hot nonsense uh, <laughs> and, and the refusal to let Sephiroth and Cloud kiss is mm -hmm. is just not is I don't know compared to the other two movies. It's watchable. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, how about you? That is a very loaded question. <laughs> um, so I will just say, I guess, that I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. I, if all the weekend Final Fantasy writing that 
uh, our readers have seen lately. I have been, you know, delivering my takes, delivering my opinions. Um, I hate Final Fantasy XV. It is like the one final, like, the ones that I don't like are 12 and 15, but I can understand, like, 12's appeal. 15 is just this visceral hate that I feel towards that um, started with this movie. Uh, So I really am the most negative person, surprise, about this movie again this Mm -hmm. week. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just going to leave it there. I really don't like this movie. I love Final Fantasy, but I really don't like Final Fantasy 15. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be very evident. Okay, well, how about you, Ginny? How do you feel about this? Yeah, uh, I think if we... I'm someone that probably spends most of my time now playing Final Fantasy XIV, and I feel like it captures, like, the... It captures the... What's the word? It captures the anime je ne sais quoi of Final Fantasy (laughs) XIV and XV very well. Natalie is threatening me with images. (laughs) (laughs) She's literally holding a gun to my um, to my online head uh, as I say positive things about this movie. Um, it, it is probably one of the, the it's probably the best looking Final Fantasy movie. Ever. It's not like that's fine. It is the best looking Final Fantasy movie. Um, I'm just gonna cover the screen for a bit while I talk about this. Um, I, I think that it does a really good job of being a Final Fantasy 15 tie-in. Mm-hmm. Like if you consume, oh god, if you consume the whole package which includes Kingslave and Brotherhood and all the DLC and Final Fantasy 15 it all kind of makes sense in one nice package um and I'm so sorry Colin that you're terrified by this um but this is is the truth okay it captures the the anime je ne sais quoi of later Final Fantasy games and I feel like if you don't get that then then you're just wrong so Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. well actually I do agree with that okay yeah that's thank you. That's you, a point you agree of with the, compromise. You agree that you need to get the anime Genesequa, or you agree that this movie captures it? I agree that it captures the ridiculousness of Yes, okay. thank you. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. definitely a little ridiculous and I think I think a lot of that is the the ending, especially like the fight scenes. The ending just goes like they just like, you know what? I watch Pacific Rim. Let's just throw yeah, that in there. Like Transformers, <laughs> sure. And Let's as someone who has that. like no idea of Final Fantasy, when I watched this at the time, because I actually watched this before I started fifteen, it's yeah. just I I expected all Final Fantasies to be just giant ridiculous nonsense. And I oh, mean, it doesn't. You're not wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not wrong. It does a, it does a good job of I think balancing the lore of the because the the final fantasy movies really front (laughs) really front load a lot of their their kind of world building and their nonsense where it can get really easy to get lost in all of the chaos and all of the the pronouns and the the different characters and the different the different uh abilities and i think this one does a decent job mainly because i think it doesn't try to kind of make it about uh Noctis's story in terms of following him as a character it I think it smartly wisely picks two new characters and then just immediately kills them off at the end so it just kind of makes this nice easy to follow arc for people who are not like terribly invested in Noctis or don't even know who he is at the time 
Sure, yeah. I, th- I actually think one of the maybe most jarring moments of this entire movie is the post credit scene where it goes off of the, like, kind of fantasy action movie thing that it's been doing this whole time and then just shows you, uh, basically the Latin, the five seconds that happened before Final Fantasy XV starts, which is the boys, the car boy's car breaking down, uh, right before that game opens, and I feel like that is super jarring and feels out of place by comparison because it is just showing you these characters who, unless you had been watching the marketing at the time, you would have no fucking idea who they were or why they mattered at all, because despite the fact that they're trying to get Luna Freya and Noctis together, you never see Noctis in this movie, right? Yeah. You see him yeah, in the very beginning, true. don't you? He's the kid that... Uh, sh- oh, yeah. The, you see yeah, him, you like, see that, young... That, you that never, doesn't count. That yeah, doesn't you don't count. ever see, like, old... Uh, you don't see, like... Is he, like... Is he a teenager? Yeah, of age of Noctis. He's practically, like... While this movie is happening, like, I watched it, um, and one of my friends, like, I showed her the synopsis of it, and she has, like, a general idea of Final Fantasy XV, and she's like, what is Noctis doing while all of this is happening? And I was like, canonically, he's literally at an island resort petting cats, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah he's just chilling and grilling. He's vibing. Hands. Yeah, he is in that scene in Final Fantasy XV, the best scene in Final Fantasy XV, where they all just imply that they're about to, like, hang out at uh, Costa del Sol and just fuck yeah. each other, uh, which is, I think, just high <laughs> art, personally. Uh, you know, that's just me. That's just my takeaway. I, I, I think it's a valid one. Okay, good. Yeah, good, I mean, good. like, the, I feel like the, the back seats, the back seat of the regalia is, is big enough. For oh, God, yeah. It unfolds. Like, you know, That's like why doors, it unfolds. Like the, the doors open up, like the Lambo doors open up, like the car can fly. Like, come on. There's we know the chemistry wasn't there with Luna, so it's got to be there with one of the other dudes. Like One of them, please, Natalie. Think just bigger. A, just at least just one. Just <laughs> All one. of them. <laughs> <laughs> not just kind of jacked up one dude as a treat. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. There you go. When you, what do you think? That is why they added in the auto drive mechanic in that game is because oh sometimes. Gosh. Oh my god, Steven, this is so big brain. You know, I'm trying to imagine not just being like, "Hey Alexa, drive us to Costa del Sol." He's just jacking his bros in the back. Like, exactly. And then when he's driving, he has one hand free for Ignis because Ignis is usually the one driving. So obviously, it's all fine. Everybody gets a turn. <laughs> to, to ride the regalia, if you know what I mean. This really oh. is so messy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you being was, literally was, or figuratively? <laughs> yeah, I was I was speaking to Caitlin probably this this morning at three in the morning, and I was like, oh, you know, like I feel, am I am I gonna vibe with everyone? And, she, and they were like, this is the messiest, gayest thing I've recorded <laughs> ever. When I did my episode, you're gonna be completely fine. I was like, yeah, you know, now I feel it. I feel that vibe right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the, the shackles are just completely off this week because Danielle is usually the person who hosts these things and actually knows oh. what she's doing. And oh, I'm just cool. like, what the fuck ever? Uh, she left us alone. It was, a, it was a bad idea to leave us alone like this. <laughs> <laughs> She'll soon learn that. <laughs> yeah, because what we, how much have we recorded? We've recorded, I'm at 17 minutes and 21 seconds, and I don't think we've really actually talked about any of the plot points yeah, of this movie. Yeah, 15 no. minutes. Okay, okay so, yeah. so let's, let's talk about probably, I think we all are going to generally agree, is the worst one is Luna Freya. As yeah. a as a general character, <sighs> Luna Frey and Crow both like there's two women in this story, and the movie just does everything humanely possible to just not give a shit about them or like do anything to kind of develop them. Like, so there's a there's a character called Crow who's a friend of the oh Christ, what are their names? What's the the Kingsclave? The Nix uh, and Libertus. That's how Libertus. forgettable I they the, are. I couldn't yes. remember the I couldn't remember the fat one. Um, they're they're basically oh like God. soldiers. 
gifted with power uh, by the king. So they do this cool thing where they throw the the blade and they warp to it. And Crow is one of them. And there's a there's a scene where she gets sent off to go kind of rescue Lina Freya. And I feel like the movie just ran out of time to explain it because they kill her off screen. Yeah. And and uh-huh. and then and then they linger on it for a while, but like it, it's a weird choice to do cuz she's never really developed as a character for you to care about. Mm-hmm. She just kind of yeah. shows up. We're told she's important to uh Friday's name Libertus. Libertus. We're told she's important to Libertus and then they, there's a spooky van and then she dies and then they just linger on that forever and we're never learn anything about her she just kind of shows up and vanishes and i feel like the movie kind of it felt like a scene or two was cut out of the film you could say that for a lot of final fantasy 15 <laughs> that actually is 100 percent true so it captures the spirit of the source material is yeah, what natalie exactly. just said this is just being consistent natalie <laughs> <laughs> being consistent with mm. the rest of the media okay yeah, there, there yeah. is a virtue in consistency yes oh mm-hmm. mm. yeah <laughs> the stuff with crow is is super weird because it's like they again you say that they almost run out of time to do it in the movie or to explain it in the movie but the movie is two hours long it's and super long. so long yeah <laughs> and so long. And they do have, like, they have multiple, multiple scenes of, like, just lingering on Crow's corpse in a way that feels, like, voyeuristic and just really fucked up, again, partially because she is one of two women in this entire franchise uh, that exists. And we get shots of her, like, the buildup of her obviously about to die with the creepy van. We get the people outside of, like, Cindy's garage, basically, finding her corpse covered in flies. And then we get Libertus finding her corpse in the morgue and, like, eyes open, like, all cataracted, like, uh, tearful mascara running down her face. It's, like, gross. I actually think that is the part of the movie that I think is, like, maybe the worst thing is, like, how they handle that. Because it is it is downright, like, fucked up, I think, at times. I feel also, like she has more screen time being dead than being alive. <laughs> she, she literally does. And first of all, there's no explanation why. So there is a shot at the beginning, sort of the, the beginning of the movie, where they show the whole Kingsglaive, or at least the whole part of it that Nyx is involved in. There is absolutely no explanation for the fact that Crow is the only woman in the Kingsglaive. There is no lore, no established, like, I, you know, like, women are, like, very oppressed in this world. You just can't have it all. Like, no, there is absolutely no explanation for the fact that she is the only woman in this entire, like, military organization. And it's just, I... I hate it so much because not only does she get killed off literally 30 minutes in, but right after she gets killed off, because we don't really get an idea about how important she is to Libertus until after she is killed off, mm-hmm. in which yeah, he tells Nyx, like, oh, she was like, she's the best friend I ever had, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it is such an emotional moment combined with like this really sad background track. But the characterization that she gets is, first of all, after she's dead, it's delivered by a man, and the sympathy is geared towards the man for the uh-huh. loss that he suffers of, like, through her death, rather than sympathy for her having actually died. Yeah. Like, I hate it so much, and we'll, we'll get into Final Fantasy XV's treatment of women, I guess, uh, later on, but this movie was definitely not... It, it was not the best um, foot to start off with, right. but I guess it did sort of like tamper my expectations because a lot <laughs> of the marketing with this movie was specifically like 
uh, Lena Headey saying like, oh, I play Luna Freya and she's a very strong woman TM. Like, I remember <laughs> the marketing so clearly because it made me so suspicious because I feel like if you have to constantly reiterate that a woman uh-huh. is quote-unquote strong, there has to be something that you're compensating for. And this movie yeah, just makes it really obvious throughout <clears throat> that 15 just does not value women, which is really upsetting because Final Fantasy is one of those series that I credit for um, instilling uh, an appreciation and love and commitment to feminism and representation in the media for women, which, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can totally see that. And, like, I think that this movie, especially with the stuff with Crow, like, Final Fantasy fifteen as a game to me is often best when it's just women aren't on screen at all because it's not... I would rather them just not include female characters than right. to just, like, have they shitty fucked up ones. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> uh, Ginny, did you have any kind of thoughts about that part? I feel like I we kind, kind of, of talked like, over I you. I honestly can't even disagree with that bit because, like I said earlier, I was going to agree with some of the bad stuff about Kingsglaive because every movie has some shit bits about it. And like, I'm not going to even attempt to fight with Nelly on this one because my wife can occasionally be right. Uh, (laughs) The the one thing that I found the most jarring about that though, was like, literally it felt like they shoehorned her in so she could die. So Libertas could defect to the rebel movement, which she was literally a plot device. Yeah. She was like literally like a plot device. And I think it was also, I found this one thing really gross. Like for me, it wasn't the, it wasn't seeing her in the morgue that fucked it for me. It was when Libertas was all like, oh man, like I'm so sad. Like I remember seeing her when she was a kid and like she was all like an orphan and life was shit for her. But like, I remember one thing about this girl, her eyes. And the way he said eyes was so creepy. I was like, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know what the age gap is. I don't know what your relationship was, but like, you do not like, when you're grieving for someone you care about, like you're not just like turning to your mate and saying like, her eyes in like the horniest way possible. Like you just don't, <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. And that no. makes the whole like focus on her like mascara shit, like literally three seconds before really fucking weird to me. I'm like, yeah. it's like a Tarantino moment, but like for someone's fucking eyes, like what is happening here? It was very weirdly, like the tone was very weird and that uncanny Valley Detroit become human mouths. Don't make this emotional <laughs> moment better. Like, literally, it's like they rigged his jaw and they were, like, operating with, like, a fucking hand clapper or some shit. Like, it was just the weirdest thing to see some guy be like, her eyes. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, I really yeah. don't feel like you're really helping here. So that was the weird part to me. She just felt like a plot device that got shoehorned in. And I feel like there were, there were other women king's glaives, like, the ones that are doing magic with her on the balcony. But, like, one of them dies in, like, two seconds. So, like, I guess yeah. we can't really count that, to be honest. Yeah, the oh, no. the only like named women or women who have like any lines of dialogue in this are Crow, Luna Freya, and then um, Luna Freya's mom, who does get flamethrowered up real good in like the first fifteen seconds of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't even count. Yeah. If Noxus yeah. like, doesn't like, count, she, she just, doesn't. Like, Bachi grilled in the first like fifteen <laughs> seconds. Like she's gone. It's not good. And uh, in Event Witch, for whatever reason, this has always been one of the weirdest things about Final Fantasy fifteen to me. An Event Witch does encourage Luna Freya's brother, whose name I can't remember at all Ravis. Um, it's Ravis. Ravis? yeah ravis ravis yeah. um he takes that and is like wow you guys just really did just burn my mom to death in front of me huh well i should definitely join your side yeah <laughs> like, 
Yeah, so I didn't really get that. Yeah, <laughs> so I was rewatching re it today, and and yeah. I and I the bit where he kind of like calls out to Sean Bean's character, the King, to kind of help them, and then I guess he's mad at that, but then he just joins the team that roasted his mom because I thought like, oh, maybe it was you know Sean Bean's troops, but like no, it's the same robots, it's the same model. Yeah, and then he just kind of just shows up, and he's just all on board for this, and I'm like, all right, cool. I guess yeah. you're. I've got some bad news for you. Like, you will never understand why. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm there right now. It's never going to be explained to you in a way that will be satisfactory. Like, just give up on trying to understand why he defected. I feel like that's most Final Fantasy side characters, is you're just not, at least in this, at least in 15, is you're going to only have a general understanding of what they do and why they're there. Yeah, he's like a less sexy Dante, and I don't like it. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He does get a cool robot arm, and I do got to stand for cyborgs in fe- yeah, media. Yeah, love me some so. mix. Love mm-hmm. that. Love that cyborg representation. But I'm also really good at jacking it, to be honest, with a robot arm. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back on this track. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, we're going back I mean, to, like, Stephen's AU, where everyone's just jacking it in the regalia. I yeah, feel like course. if you insert Ravis, it's going to work. It's going to work out. Well, it never gets tired, right? He can just help everybody. Yeah, all, uh-huh. all, all the way to Co- the whole trip, all the way to Costa del Sol, just busy. <laughs> what I remember most about Ravis in this movie is Luna Freya getting to Insomnia with Nyx, and that whole scene with like that oh, the yeah. battle took place, and then uh, King Regis is on the floor, and Ravis <laughs> is literally like five feet away from him, and Luna's like, "This isn't about my brothers. This isn't about him." And she just yeah. like goes to save the king first. Yeah, she it's fully no sells that scene. Like, he, yeah. like the, the the camera jarringly cuts from her face to Ravis on the floor, like writhing in pain with arms. Yeah, fire. so cuts like back to her blank face, cuts back to her blank ass face, and it cuts to the king, cuts to her going to the king, cuts to Ravis, cuts to her blank ass face, and I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> I don't they're, know what's happening. They're definitely going for some like um, jarring stuff like that. There's what's his name, Luce, uh, whose name for some reason I can remember better than Libertus. Yeah, uh, the is, rebel leader guy. Yeah. Yeah, he like betrays the the King's Glaive. He's a member of the King's Glaive and uh, turns against them. And at one point, he puts on the ring too. And there's this whole thing where like Luna Freya basically like just lets him kill himself. Like she kind of like goads him into putting on the the magic ring that it turns out uh, is what everybody in this universe wants. Like the the king, the uh, the evil king, has set up this armistice, and it's all just a ploy to try and take down the barrier that protects uh, the city of Insomnia and to get this ring that gives you access to like this ancestral power of kings that uh the king regis uses to protect everyone and anybody who puts it on has to like basically plead their case to these like ghost kings that suck ass and if they don't like you (laughs) they either kill you kill you just kill you no no, there's different things happen in different uh parts because uh in final fantasy 15 we get more of it too because ravis they they burn his arm off yeah. Uh, the one guy they they kill him. The the Luche they killed him. Uh you mean like Nyx? Glauca? Glauca. Did Glau- Glauca use the ring? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's Glauca or Dracos. It's Glauca who gets like tricked by tricked by Luna Freya because he's all like oh, power hungry a... and shit. Yeah. Okay. But Luche is a character though who also does oh. die. So it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> there is one other dude that she tricks. 
I uh, yeah, I got a sworn. Like, cause there's a camera cut where she's the, like, yeah. He, he like asks, hey, like, what is this thing? Why does everybody want this? And she says it's like more power than you could ever possibly understand or something like that. That's Lucia. That's Lucia. Yeah, Luce. yeah, okay. yeah. Cause there's a dude with a like a very whiny, nasally voice. They're all just nonsense. That's a lot of names. the voice actors in this game. I mean, <laughs> yes, gonna be but, real. With but I remember right this specifically. They, he fights with Nyx right before, and then he goes to get the ring from Luna Freya. I think. Yeah. And that's when yeah. stuff happens. Yeah. And then in Final Fantasy XV, in episode Ignis, we see Ignis uh, loses his eyesight by using the ring at one point. They take his eyes away. Um, but that's all I wanted to say about that. But, but that's like the MacGuffin of this movie is everybody's after this magic ring because, yeah. Uh, yeah. I will, I will say for for a for a prequel, essentially, it does a really good job with Arden as a as a villain in terms of. I like that they don't overcommit to just making it about the villains that are going to be in fifteen because the Jake the general is generally fine as a villain, but yeah. I, I think the the best scene probably in the movie is the bit where Arden kind of shows up as the envoy. Oh yeah, and, and, in and, the and the, room. Yeah, like on first watch, it's it's fine. He's Darren DePaul's very good at playing that kind of charismatic character, but like mm-hmm. once you kind of get an idea of where Arden is coming from, there's like so many interesting layers to that scene in terms of his like relationship with the king. Yeah, for sure. He's got that real big dick energy in that scene. Like, yeah, I feel like 100%. it's one of the better scenes because it focuses not on all the faces uh, of the characters. Like they pan on like Arden's boots or like mm-hmm. his outfit. His, his outfit is just like, perfect. His big fucking. Just, he's got a cape for one arm, and that yeah. is such a power fucking move. That, that is. It's a level of confidence no man will really aspire yeah, to. That to is dressing for success. Up. Like, Arden dressed because he was like, I fuck. Like, yeah. that's the entire, <laughs> entire aesthetic is, I fuck. And he showed up to showed up in the throne room, no guards, just, like, big dick fashion energy out. And he was like, you know what, mate? I fuck. That was what yeah. he was there for. That he has, he wears about 16 separate layers of clothing because yes. he knows that he's worth all the work it's going to take to take them off of him later. This <laughs> <laughs> oh is also happening in the regalia because, like, I really need, I'm trying to figure out, like, what the setting is. Is it like the velvet room, but like just for sex? Mm, like, this is yeah, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, but Arden doesn't, Arden doesn't jack, he fucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he, he doesn't, he doesn't pussy, he doesn't pussy foot around here. He, he goes oh, straight God. forward. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, I, He's absolutely a pillow princess, though. Let's just be real for yeah. one second here. Yeah, he's yeah. doing none of the work. He's doing zero mm-hmm. percent. He's doing, if you're lucky, one percent of the writing. Mm-hmm. Like he'll mm-hmm. think about yeah. writing, but that's absolutely. it. Like he's just gonna lie there otherwise. Do you think he uh, takes the hat off? I feel like he keeps it on. I feel like you have to keep it he on. He keeps it on. He like tips the hat when he's like about to finish. Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. That's his one weakness. He doesn't want you to see his face. When yeah, it exactly. He's like, milady. Yeah, fuck yeah. That's it. That's it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh anyway. he's not in this movie for very much though he, no, he only he's basically not. shows up in that scene and a little bit later but yeah every time he's on the scene on screen he really does steal the scene i he feel does, like yeah for sure uh With I also, sorry go oh, ahead, no, go ahead. No, i was gonna say i think that's that's what kind of is the best part of this is it doesn't and a lot of why i don't like advent children having just recently watched it after playing final fantasy 7 is i feel like 7 tries to just cram all of these named characters that you like need to like they just try to front load it really hard with the the named characters and i like that this one kind of takes a step back and lets the the cast of 15 breathe and kind of be like look their story's coming later we're going to tell the story of Aaron Paul and uh the general dude who yeah. i think is just okay as a villain i mean he's he's fine 
He looks cool. He's yeah, he looks yeah, cool. His ama, just... his ama fucks. His ama mm-hmm. totally fucks. But he's yeah. like a shithole of a person, and like just not fleshed out enough at all. Right, no. exactly. Yeah, uh, he looks like a Warframe. My my dude does look like a Warframe in yes. this movie. <laughs> he's built like a, he's built like a Warframe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, all right, just putting it out there. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, I'm just going to look through Natalie's, let's see here, 577 word notes here. Yeah. I can sum uh, it all up, it's Luna Give Freya. me some points so, to, so, no, no, points I to have refute. many more issues, but she is probably the biggest one, yes. Okay, well let's talk about Luna Freya, because Luna Freya probably gets more screen time in this movie than she does in all of Final Fantasy XV, so yeah, we true. might as well address <laughs> that. It's, it's not right, true. honestly, it's not right. Do you have any thoughts that you want? Like, so the, the, to set it up, basically, Luna Freya uh, decides to come to the city of Insomnia to come meet Noctis directly, but uh, they weren't expecting that. That's why they sent Crow out was to go pick her up. But she misses the envoy. She misses, like, her, her um, escort in the form of Crow and comes to Insomnia by herself and gets pulled into, like, this big kind of, like, city war that starts to break out as the evil empire, Niflheim, breaks the barrier around the city. They drop their demons because they summon de- this is a thing that Niflheim does they have robot troopers that, that are Magitech troopers MTs they call them and they have mm-hmm. demons and we get to see those in the early part of the movie there's a really cool scene with a really big monster that shows up again at the end and they drop all their monsters into the city destroy insomnia while this is all going on Luna Freya is trying to get out of the city with uh, Nyx and then that's what, where we kind of pick up where uh, I was kind of curious what you thought Natalie <sighs> what I think well <laughs> Mm-hmm. We're gonna be here for five just... years, gentlemen. So yeah, it's be five years. So <laughs> my memory is extremely bad. Like it, it's just very bad. Uh, but one thing that I remember very clearly from this movie, all these years later, is the scene where Luna Freya and Nyx first meet, and then there's like the Ultros thing and blah blah blah, and there's like an airship and Luna Freya tries to drive it and she literally like this is the first time in the movie that she basically tries to do something and then Nyx just literally pushes her out of the driver's seat it was so metaphorical like mm-hmm. the protagonist mm-hmm. and Parasite so metaphorical uh, <laughs> like he just pushes her out and he's so rudely like give me that and I'm like okay bro like relax and then later on she tries to drive the car and then immediately after she tries to drive it as well Nyx is like give me that and I'm like okay I guess we're not gonna let her do anything you know like it's uh i have so many issues with luna freya as a character that this movie introduces very well but just generally like she is a very good example of telling but not showing and i think final fantasy 15 has that problem in general but especially with its women it is the handling is just so poor and so she says like twice in the movie she says i do not fear death and then she goes to say what i fear is doing nothing and i'm like yeah but the movie's not letting you do anything biz like you Uh are not being allowed to do anything you are doing nothing because the writing doesn't let you do anything and it's such a classic example of trying to make this female character seem strong and like she has agency and that she's not actually not doing any like nothing like she is just making her own choices but it's the writing is just so terrible for her she fears nothing because there is nothing to her Mm. she doesn't like anything besides noctis and i don't get why she fucking likes noctis because it's been like a decade i don't know she doesn't fear anything she has absolutely nothing going for her character and 
it's just very frustrating to watch play out. Um, I think the Uncanny Valley stuff uh, that we've talked about, it really pertains to Lefrey in particular. Like that scene where she talks to Regis. Oh is god, so, in the throne room? Uh, yeah, so bad. Yes, it's so, so bad. bad. Uh-huh. And 100%. Yes, yeah. and it sunk in when I realized like it looks like it looks very alien because she and to a lesser extent, Crow, especially because Crow is only in this movie for like five minutes, but Luna is not allowed to have moles or scars or pores like the male characters in this have. Like the men mm. are allowed to basically be human, mm. while the women are simply not. That's just the thing Final Fantasy fifteen is really guilty of, in my opinion. And so it looks so uncanny because she looks like this alien anime girl in this sea of sort of realistic looking characters that all happen to be men um and there are just so many issues but those are i guess the snippets of my issues with luna freya's character in this movie and 15 in general like a lot of the things that i have an issue with in this movie are not actually specific to the movie it's just final fantasy 15 story and writing yeah Hmm. And and maybe like gets a little bit like I said I think fifteen fifteen has its has a lot of problems I think that the stuff with the four boys is actually pretty strong but again yeah, like yeah. anytime a woman is with the exception of Aranea I know people really like Aranea a lot she's hot um, she's hot Sorry. yeah and I know why people I was gonna say I know why people like Aranea like come on we all know what we're doing here she's hot uh, and she's hot she got a big spear everybody loves a big spear oh yeah and, gosh me yeah. <laughs> Classic Final Fantasy move, jump. Anyway. Straight into my heart. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yeah, like Cindy and, and Luna Freya, anytime they appear in that game, like that, that's really tough for that game. Um, when, when they're just not on screen at all, I think it works way better. And mm-hmm. because that game is whatever, 50 hours long versus a two hour movie where you have three, the, like basically the same density of uh, female characters to male characters, it becomes way more noticeable to me. And for I think sure, you, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, the one thing she does get to do is she jumps out of the airship because Noctis or not Noctis Nyx will not allow her to do anything so she okay, like yeah. literally just kicks the door open <laughs> yeah that bit I hate it because I was like girl you are not gonna be able to save yourself like if he yeah, did it so just, stupid. if he didn't use his powers you would have just gone splat and died like I don't know what you were trying <laughs> to do because he looks like a smart. fool and it's like the writing intentionally does this like what is so smart about you jumping to your death off of an airship like bitch you're dumb and but it's yeah. not her fault. It's the writing's fault. It's yeah. not yeah, like totally. Luna Freya's a sentient yeah, it's really, being. It's really frustrating how they try and <sighs> give her lines that make her, I guess, sound on paper, divorced from the movie's context to be very strong. And yeah. then they just make her do the stupidest shit in the movie or like act in a way that's very damselly. Like literally she's like climbing up this, like, you know, with the scene with a giant octopus. Like, oh, she's just climbing up the fucking fucking ship just like you know running around like jumping and just doing like Lara Croft Tomb Raider style antics and then like one Kingsglaive <laughs> guy like grabs her arm she's like oh no and I'm like what the fuck you were just climbing up a fucking octopus literally five yeah. minutes ago isn't she like, an make your anyway? mind up righteous yeah. please yeah and I think that is one of the things that Final Fantasy XV doesn't do very well at all is like setting up it. We don't ever get to see Luna Freya except when she is framed by Nyx in this case or Noctis in the other game. Like, yeah, it's really we, frustrating. Yeah, yeah. We we knew we know she lived under occupation in Tenebrae for however long with those people. We never see any of that. We know mm-hmm. that she had a life before all of that stuff happened with uh, somewhat with uh, Noctis and somewhat without. But we never see any of that except for yeah. that one scene. Uh, we know she's an oracle. I. 
I beat Final Fantasy 15 when it came out, and I could not tell you what the fucking Oracle even really is. Hey. So I tell you. <laughs> they commute with the deities of the world, mate. Come on. Oh, Pay okay. attention, mate. You, right. Right. Yuna was doing that shit, and she ruled, of male so. characters. Die. Yeah. 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 That is true. She was literally used as a as a, as a a plot device. So, it, I, yeah, that sucks. That sucks. That, that, to me, is a lot of, like, 15 is such an example of, and this is not, this is getting off of Kingsglaive again and into the just the game. But <laughs> yeah. Kingsglaive really lines up a lot with uh, Kingdom Hearts with me in the sense of just, like, completely unshackled Tetsuya Nomura and <laughs> his views on on women and what roles that they can and cannot play in a story uh, in when he has like absolutely zero oversight because Final Fantasy 7 Remake came out and like Aerith fucking rules in that game and Tifa has yeah, really good moments sure. too mm-hmm. and and those are that's a story that he did not write from the beginning those are not characters he created and I feel like anytime we get to engage with characters that he has full authorship over it's just a disaster yeah I agree yeah, same. No, no, no complaints here. We're all but all agreed like, on that. <laughs> I would argue even like some of the male characters, like Nyx is. I want to like Nyx, but I'm. I think he's a I'm dick. just. There's yeah, nothing to think, like about it. I think it's not yeah, even that. I just I think I'm just dick. so over yeah. this charismatic roguelike uh, protagonist <laughs> he's that not I even see in like everything. Like, he's he tries to be though. Like the thing is, like Aaron Paul's like the voice acting for what they have is generally pretty strong, especially Sean Bean stuff. But like, and mm-hmm. I like Aaron Paul as a, as an actor. It's just Nix is just so unbelievably unlikable, and they try yeah. so hard to make him like redeeming at like the end where yeah. he's like the redeeming know, thing like, is so out of character for him. I was just like, I, f- I fucking hate this. Like this guy is like karma slash cloud farming before he dies and goes to heaven. Like he is not. He doesn't care about this shit. Come on, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah, like when he says my life is worth nothing, giving the future to those who need it, yeah, that means like, everything. Bullshit. Like, where did that come from? When yeah, have man. you cared? Like, yeah, we, he has, he's not like a terrible person or like even a very like explicit asshole, but it's like there was absolutely no basis for them. Like, there was no like basis for him being a terrible person who tries to help the marginalized or like yeah. those who have not known what freedom taste is like or the future or whatever like he just has absolutely no character he's so disposable and forgettable that he dies by the end and it's like well okay this has absolutely no impact on the story whatsoever like he and he says like did anyone tell you i'm the hero around here like nobody said that no, no, they did. They, 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 they did say that the same, but like in a mocking way, not like yeah. a good way. Because <laughs> like there's sarcasm. Uh, he seems to have. But but that seems to me that that does seem to me like it's they're referencing something that again that we never see on screen because it seems like he mm-hmm. has done something in his past that made him a hero in the eyes of like the kingdom and everybody's like if it isn't the hero of blah 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 and there's also some stuff that, they, that comes out of complete left field near the end it, it really does feel like this is like the second like movie in a series or something like that because yeah. they're talking about like yeah. don't forget about your dead sister it's just like where did that come from there was another <laughs> dead woman in this franchise. <laughs> We didn't know about it? Yeah. He has like one line where he's like, I had a sister, but the Empire killed her. And I'm like, oh shit, bitch. Okay. Came out of nowhere. Okay. And it had to, yeah. of course, be his sister. It couldn't be like just his friend or his dad or yeah. anything like that. It had to be yes. another woman. I, I women only matter when they have a relationship with the men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it doesn't... it's real fucking weird. It does. It doesn't help that the only like I guess emotional character arc is Libertus, but his is going from uh, a government agent to somebody who is just this angry, 
unsettled immigrant guy who's now angry with the government and turns to terrorism mm. as his as his only way of, of dealing with it. And it's just I don't know. Then at the end when he tries to redeem himself, I'm just it, that's the Wait. part that bugged me the most. Instead of instead of just kind of committing to Libertus as this person who's so disenfranchised by the way that. Um, his kingdom has been treating him that he just then kind of gives up and he's like, you know what? Now nah, I was wrong the whole time. Let me let me just prove how good I am. I'm actually a good person, guys. I'm the good kind of terrorist. Don't worry, everybody. No, I mean, he's the thing is to me, he's not even a terrorist. He doesn't yeah. even do anything like revolutionary. He doesn't engage in he's any a kind of revolutionary direct violence. action going on here. <laughs> yeah, uh, he doesn't even know about it until the very end of the movie when he sees the betrayals happening and whatever. Like he goes yeah. to join them, like the, the avalanche equivalent in this universe. But yeah. like by the time he finds out that anything is even happening, it's already happened. He exactly. he has like no arc. That's why he's there to bring Luna Freya to the to fifteen, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what gets into one of the other issues that I have with this movie, which I don't even think is specific to this conflict in and of itself, and some sort of irresponsibility on the handling of the theme of immigrants and whatnot. But I think it's more of just like the problem fifteen overall has like the game and the movie of just mm. you know not going into things as deeply as it should and right. just missing scenes in general but that ties into the immigrants conflicts which I am not an immigrant but my mom is and so it it does hit a little differently in 2020 like I don't mm. think it stood out to me when I watched it in 2016 or whatever that was before the elections and whatnot um but I just <sighs> Like, it I didn't age well. <laughs> it, I got yeah, like it's like it's like fine, I guess. Like I don't know how to feel about it because there is no like we don't really get a reason as to why as you know, as fucked up as those reasons are, why some people validly feel in the King's Glade that they should side with the fascist empire over yeah. like mm. the king that has definitely made some mistakes but those mistakes aren't even fully explored like as someone who has used his power to sort of separate people with a wall and whatnot like those things are not actually gone into and i don't again i don't think it's a mishandling of the themes of immigration and like oppression and discrimination so much as it is just like a symptom of this movie just not having you know like the full context for things as much yeah. as it should um yeah but i i do think it could be handled better i do think making nicks some sort of revolutionary figure would have really tied it well with all the things that i think they were trying to do with him like the whole giving the future to those who need it sacrificing himself for this group of people it would have made him far more interesting and it would have given him an actual arc and I think some of it is also uh, sort of diminished when in the last scene, when he's talking to Glaka slash Dratos, I think that's how you say his name. I um, cannot I cannot keep straight which one is his fake name and which one is Dratos his real name. Dratos is the real name and Glaka <laughs> is the name he uses for his Warframe persona. <laughs> okay. <laughs> his war soda, his got it. Yeah, his and, war so it <laughs> and so the the conflict is framed as a battle of between Nyx looking to the future, and he explicitly tells Glocka slash Warframe bro, you are a slave to the past. And I think that only diminishes this sort of conflict because it's not like yeah, you can separate the sure. past from like marginalized people's history and present. Yeah. It, it, 
it's something that was not it, it was tackled but and there was an effort but I don't think they really understood what they were going for and I think it I think you can tell by um so the, in the beginning there's this soldier who is explicitly explicitly xenophobic and racist uh towards uh not just Nick's but immigrants as a whole like he talks about how like immigrants are ruining the country yeah yeah and so near the end of the movie he's shown to explicitly help nix out like he shoots an airship or something and it's like do we really need that like do we actually need like this sort of like explicit scene where this racist slash xenophobe gets a redemption arc not even a redemption arc because nobody in this freaking movie has an arc just a redemption scene where he shoots an airship and it's like oh he's not racist anymore and he looks towards nix and he's like yeah bro i don't totally hate your guts and you know immigrants yeah and so it's like I, I it was so beyond their scope and handling they already tried to do so many things and they fail with what the few things that they were doing like like luna freya or the women like just Okay, you know what? I'm. hmm. (laughs) I mean, because we can we can uh, talk about some other stuff, too. Like, I think we've we've really hammered home that this movie is maybe the byproduct of just like a trillion rewrites that happened to Final Fantasy 15. It never has enough time to deal with anything, you know? Yeah. On the, um, on the on the other side, this movie is probably visually in terms probably the, the best, best looking. Not just yeah, uh, yes. because the 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 visual the the visual effects are the updated graphics, for the yeah. times, um, but I think just the the editing and the camera work from just the cinematography uh, cinematography perspective is very good. Especially in the fight scenes, a lot of the problems yeah. I have with these kind of movies is they're so hard to follow. Yeah, because there's just so much happening, but. I, I rewatching it the uh, the end battle scene between the Warframe and uh, Jesse <laughs> uh, Pinkman was really was actually really interesting. I like the how the camera like pulls back and shows the the Pacific Rim robot punching the demon like at the same Kaiser time mixing them do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think like there's some really clever use of action in terms of just telling the battle and showing it without really kind of getting lost in all yeah, the particle yeah. effects and the, the nonsense magic that everybody has. Mm. Yeah, I want to hear yeah. what Steven has to say about this because I know, like, in the last podcast episode, they brought it up that, um, like, The Spirits Within had sort of terrible cinematography and reminded them of, like, Avengers and Gabe and movies that tend to do those scenes, yeah. like, in that sort of uh, framing. So I was curious as to what you thought of the cinematography here. I mean, right off the bat, like the visual language of that first opening fight scene where we see the Kingsglaive fighting the demons is mm-hmm. way more interesting way than more anything. Dynamic. So good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. It's like a genuinely really good visual effects heavy battle scene because immediately it is not just set. This is one of my biggest problems with the spirits within. It's like you said, Natalie. Problem with Endgame and a lot of movies that came like in a post Lord of the Rings world where everybody was like, "Oh wow, big battle scenes are cool to look at." We won't take any of the lessons that we saw in those movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what if we throw a lot of cartoons at each other? Um, and that's how you look, get to the just end of action figures. We're just going to dump it and we're going to film it. Okay, uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. But right off the bat, like that opening fight does a couple of things that are really smart which is that it's it's not like a massive all it's not like helms deep but it is at least something it's something for the characters to interact with in the environment that isn't just a big flat open pancake and 
Yeah, like like you get Nyx running up the wall. We get opportunities for them to do stuff with that. Like they have this kind of cool effect that you get in the game, too, which is that they will throw a knife at a wall and then teleport to that knife. And it has a really cool, like glitchy special effect as they jump uh, back and forth between it. And because there's walls and turrets and variously sized monsters that aren't just all, you know, humanoid little things, but also like these giant grasshopper looking things. And eventually you get that big, huge fuck off demon that shows up at the end of the movie again that is just like constantly covered in smoke. It's not made of smoke, but it's like it's almost like it's steaming and it's not supposed to be in this world. And it looks so good. And it opens up these big, giant... Nobody's oh, going to know... That's, that's one of my favorite shots in the movies when it's it so opens good. up the mall and it just mortar fires everything. Uh-huh. It has, like, for people who know Gundam, Haman uh, uh, yes. Karn's uh, Gundam, uh, her mobile suit, the the Cubelet, has those big, giant, like, big uh, bee-butt wings, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> this doesn't sound like a fucking insane here, but it, those open up and it's got these, like, weird red uh, things inside of it and it fires out these, like, flare guns, except when the flares hit the ground they like just explode in these massive massive craters it's really good and then it shows up again at the end of the movie and gets to fight like you said colin and you said natalie like a big kaiju battle pacific so rib style it's great like uh jenny it sounds like you uh really like that too what do you think yeah for <laughs> me it actually feels a little bit like the the immersion level for me was was strangely i, I think good the first time i watched it because again i think if we look at other I suppose game movies like the Warcraft movie like the fight scenes were so muddied like yeah. I absolutely hated the fuck out of yeah. that and as someone who loved the fuck out of World of Warcraft like it was just so awful to me but I remember and I'm sure someone I'm sure I might get this wrong and someone might just crucify me for this because I'm a fake <laughs> gamer girl or some bullshit but like when I was playing Cataclysm in World of Warcraft there's that one thing in like the end game where the plot ends for Cataclysm and you're waiting for the next patch of raid content. There's like a Firelands battle where you like send yourself into battle with like the factions that you aligned with um, in the Firelands. Mm-hmm. And like that the way that uh, you direct your faction, I mean your allied factions, is like you see people acting independently from your, your, your main spinoff group of NPCs. You see like the scale of battle happening in the distance and shit like that. Like when I was watching the beginning of Kingsglaive, it felt like I was watching like the precursor to like a raid in a video game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, just the way that they framed everything and the way that they committed to showing off every single class's, quote-unquote, class's powers. Like, you saw the ability of, um, what's her name, of Crow to use magic and her bunch of sorcerers. You saw Nyx, like, running down the wall and struggling with that weird, like, crab-like alien thing. And then you also saw, basically, like, you saw each phase of the fight. Like, when they brought the gigantic fuck of Watson, I was like, okay, we in phase two now. This is phase two of the rage. <laughs> and, like, I, I really enjoy how, like you said, Steven, just, like, the, the like, in- intense Gundam effect of that boss. Like, the sc- yeah. they got the scale of the enemies correct. Like... I don't know. I just felt so almost like poetic to me. And the same thing with the, the, the giant octopus ultras monster bullshit later on. Like, I feel like <laughs> everything that they did where they, they made you, what, what was the word? Everything that they did where they had to put Nyx in a combat situation, I guess maybe they committed to him being the, they committed to him being the, being the protag or whatever, but like it was all yeah. filmed and framed 
so fucking well. Like I wanted to, I wanted to play Nyx. Like the result of those battle scenes, <laughs> I wanted to play a game where I could play as the Glaive and fight those enemies. And I think that's what tapped into the gamer brain so much for a lot of people with King's Glaive is it made you feel like you wanted to play the King's Glaive game. Like that's yeah. what I wanted. And so I think that's how they were hoping they would sell FF15 with its flashy combat. They were like, oh, look at that cool warping shit the Glaive did. You want to do yeah. that, but 10 times slower, <laughs> play Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. Uh, hang for, you want to hang from a pole play. instead of, you, you want to throw a spear and instead of hang from a pole, just instead of, a, instead of stab a bug, you want to just hang from a pole for 30 seconds looking yeah. at everybody? Mm-hmm. We yeah. got that, buddy. We got it. Like, it was like the gameplay preview for the game, but they yeah. kind of fucked up the translating of the gameplay into the game. Yeah. Uh, I think the 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 visuals are also the fight so scene and the visuals the throne room scene uh, where the two kings and like the whole court is there for both teams. Oh, like, it's so yeah, tense! I think, oh, I I think that's it. such yeah. a. I think that's. Oh. I really. I, and as Stephen, you uh, wrote this down, I believe. I really, really love the dialogue exchange between the two kings when they're talking about the thief. Yeah. As the uh, as the kind of build up, and then when the explosion happens, and both teams kind of just pull just drop their hands and they just pull out the guns and the swords. I think that's such a cool visual kind of indicator for how just everything fell apart. And even like Sean Bean's fight scene with the Warframe was really fun. Yeah. As, as like short as it was. I think it's cool to, that the king wasn't completely helpless because they go on and on about his magic and how strong he is and they just kind of... I was really hoping that there was going to be a moment where they show it and I'm really happy that he wasn't like absolutely helpless against the, the Warframe to... I think he did a really... I mean, just visually, just out of all of them, even just by like modern standpoint, it's it, outside of like the uncanny Canny Valley faces. It's it's a really well done movie in terms of its cinematography. It's just a, it's a shame the narrative side just doesn't like hold up <laughs> as well as everything else about the the movie. Yeah, yeah, and uh, one thing that I think that throne room scene does really well, like you say that they they have all the different kind of courtiers squaring off in the big line against each other and one the way that they immediately show that Regis is worth like a hundred of those people is the Niflheim they're the very they're they're Garland from uh fucking Garlemald rather from Final Fantasy 14 where they don't have magic but they have like super technology so they yeah. all pull out guns and then Regis just like snaps his fingers and like 17 swords appear in thin air <laughs> and are all like like floating next to the bad no, guys that and, is big dick energy <laughs> yeah, yeah no. that was big dick energy for sure I like Regis. Yeah. Regis uh, was I mean, cool. Regis is cool, yeah. And when he's talking to that other king, whose name I forget, like, they do have such a fucking, like, oh, those two definitely hate, I know, I know we just keep coming hate back fuck. to this, but <laughs> they hate-fucked each other so much, like, 30 years ago, and then Regis definitely, like, ran off with a different boyfriend, and that guy is still fucking holds it against him to this day. <laughs> oh That's the whole God. reason for this war. Only, exactly. Only, only Steven, I think you should have just written Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> yeah. It would have been better. Yeah, um, I will say like one thing, one little cool bit of writing there too. But besides the um, the the dialogue exchange between them is they Ginny, you t- just talked about uh, the like big raid boss style scale thing, which is really good to have. And I also like that it puts it into context with also showing smaller scale threats because oh, for sure, yeah. In that very same scene, the way that they break the stalemate is that the. Uh, evil empire, the Niflheim, drop ships in a bunch of Magitek troopers who just like fucking fall face first in, through stained glass into the <laughs> yeah. room, land on the floor like broken dolls, and then they're just like, okay, time to get back to it. I'm yeah. gonna stand up, pull out a gun now. Also, there's a motorcycle outside my window. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, 
But they they just pull out. They just like, all right. They Pinocchio back onto their feet, pull out guns, and just start shooting people. And it's just like, all right, just a bullet will still kill you in this universe. You don't have to be a fucking god or something like that to murder anyone. (laughs) It's cool. Around this section is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that they do that with like Glauca as well. Like after, where he just literally just mows through four people. He just like he warfares, <laughs> yeah. he Sona's out, and then he just like uh-huh. pops it, and then four people just d- evaporate like into the air. And I'm like, damn, okay, so that he's the he's the mini boss, I guess. Like that's how you know that like he's also really powerful. And I think that I found that framing where it's like, um, whereas Regis's power was framed almost like he's got the means to defend himself if necessary. Glauca's characterization and like the use of power that they, I guess, use for him in this, in this entire movie is like, he just like goes like just balls in like all the time. <laughs> he just like, cool, yeah. I'm dropping in. Four people are dead. I'm making them. This is me. And like, I think the, what makes that Regis and Glauca fight so interesting visually is the clash of their two DPS styles. <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> phrase. Uh-huh. Like it honestly just reads like that. And I, I wish that they had done a lot more of that with the Kingsglaive while they were still, alive like i feel like what kingslave does as a movie is just set has all these amazing combat set pieces which honestly i could have just seen as cutscenes in the actual game yeah like yeah. that would have sold the game to me way more than having them having like to shoehorn a plot yeah, some scenes like, are included in the game they, they yeah they do definitely call back to it yeah yeah I still think it's weird that Final Fantasy 15 just as the game just to go back on the cutscenes that it opens up like just showing you a highlight reel of yeah, the movie. Yeah, basically. Here's how like everyone most, died, by the way. And you're like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Instead cool, of like cool. trying to sell the movie to you, it's like, no, no, this is here. Everyone's dead. All right, let's go. Here yeah, are the boys in the car. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Natalie, you were going to say something there too. I want to make mm. sure you get to say what you were going to. Oh, uh, I was going to say that around the same section in the story is where Libertus comes back to Insomnia. And Mm. there's this weird exchange that he has with a refugee where the refugee talks about how the Empire promised refugees sort of a section of the city. Yeah, like a district, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, when was this established, first of all? And like, (laughs) what would convince the marginalized and oppressed refugees to think that the Empire is Uh actually like... The good party that will help them and like actually give them this district for happy living. Uh, yeah, just that it definitely just... it definitely goes back to both of what you and Steve were saying. How Steve was saying about how like it feels like the the second entry in a movie in a, in a yeah. series we never got because. Mm-hmm. Because as far as I can tell, at least from rewatching it, like the refugees just outside of like some racist dickheads, like everybody's generally doing fine. Like the the city doesn't you don't ever see the refugees like struggle outside of like a few people being dicks to them. Yeah, there's not like an impoverished zone. There is no 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 actual like we got the newspaper clippings in uh, Nix's hotel room basically of what happened to his hometown. But we don't actually get like any view on you know, the circumstances upon which impoverished people outside of the wall or immigrants and refugees in the city are experiencing, like, there's no, there's no setup to any of it. I just, yeah, any of it, there. period. Yeah. 
And that I think that also just ties into like this movie had a lot of work to do, which I, I will one day we will get this. We will get this documentary that talks about the production of Final Fantasy 15 and the job it must have been to pull that project together and like oh, pull yeah. all the fucking yeah. like just complete disaster of a of a game it was. I forget just the make name of something the something even sellable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. To to do the Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn-esque movement yeah. on this game must have been wild. And mm-hmm. this this movie it has to do a lot of that and also be like a fun action flick that works for people who aren't necessarily going to play the game. And so mm-hmm. it's got a lot of work to do and doesn't have a, you know, two hours is long for a movie, but it's not a lot of time to fix a 50-hour game. You know That's what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. Does anybody else have any major thoughts about this movie? We've gone about an hour here, so I think we can just about wrap it up. Damn. Um, Not a major thought. (laughs) Not a major thought, but I do, because of the internet, I did mention this with the spirits within that the line of like, him, uh, Neil wanting a Neil Jr. to call him daddy it was like something <laughs> that the internet like affected for me. This movie also had that moment at the end where Luna Freya and Libertus, uh, they diverge paths, and the, and so Lunafrey is walking away, and Libertus goes, "Hey, Queen!" And I was like, "Oh my God, Libertus is Lunafrey is dead!" And I, I thought Michelle Obama was gonna pop out and be like, "Hey, Queen, you've done it again. You've raced the bar." <laughs> I hate that because you said that, and I thought of that like comment on like a Drag Race video that was like, "We love the energy, Queen. Give us nothing." And I'm like, "That's exactly what happened with Lunafrey. She gave us fucking nothing." Oh my God, that is just Lunafrey. To summarize that meme she gave of like, us nothing. Oh, go girl, love that lack of energy. Give us nothing. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt after this movie with regards to Luna Freya's character. So, uh, good boy. Yeah, I mean, I think that about sums up King's Glaive. It is a great looking and kind of like fast movie that gives us nothing really at the end of the day. Yeah, also, it's like, I, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it tries. I think I feel like it, it wanted to be like the Tokyo Drift movie of Final mm. Fantasy, but it just didn't have enough charm to do it. Like, uh, but that being said, if you literally don't have any connection to Final Fantasy as a franchise, and you just give zero fucking fucks about like a plot that's extremely coherent and you're like you know what I love the Warcraft movie like this yeah. is gonna blow your fucking socks off mate like you're gonna like watch <laughs> this and just be like fuck this quality fucking shit like you're just gonna yeah. go in there yeah, and just have uh, your mind completely no blown your odds are probably better yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so you're gonna have your mind blown if you were like you know what I feel like other video game movies have done it pretty well like Avatar I kinda like that this will blow your fucking mind okay this is a, this is a this is a step yeah. your pussy up moment for video game movies <laughs> I do remember hating this a little more than I hate it now. So that's that's what I can say about this movie. I hate it a little less. Fantastic. <laughs> Colin, how do you feel? Last uh, last word on that one. I think, uh, as, as Ginny so eloquently put, <laughs> it's definitely... It's definitely <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 will freak your goddamn bean. Get over here. (laughs) Sit down. Square will bill you later for the promo. Don't worry. (laughs) I think think it's fine. I think it's just fine. I think as a movie, as a standalone movie, it has a lot of issues narratively. But like, I mean, I'm not, you're not watching this for the fucking story. Come on. Let's, you're watching this to watch big fuck off monsters 
fight people that with really flashy magic at the end of the day. Like, I watched it for it, the it, story. Yeah, I was like, it does, <laughs> it does, it does it does as you set up 15. Like, this it is does, part of a yeah. compilation, so... Yeah, it I does feel add like to your fair. enjoyment of the story, I feel. Like, you, I yeah. do find I enjoyed it more as part of, like, the canon of 15, so I will yeah. have that caveat there, yeah. yeah. I think it gives us more of Insomnia, which is sorely missing. It's one of the things that is really sorely missing from 15, the game, is, like, not having any kind of connection to the city that gets destroyed and is like the impetus for Noctis to be like sad throughout that game. It's like, yeah. oh, my whole my hometown and my dad, they're all dead. It's all been destroyed or whatever. Yeah. And you never see the fucking city in that game until yeah. 40 hours the, in. Yeah, the literal ends where you're yeah. in this maze of bosses. It's great. Mm -hmm. they, they did add, they, they added to that. I need to go back to that one of these right. days. Yeah, they they added do. that whole zone. Yeah, yeah I really do. Uh, so I think that's going to about do it for you. Love to see it this week, though, everybody. Thank you for coming in and ringing out the Final Fantasy trilogy with Spirits Within and this and Advent Children. And I think it's obvious now that we went in uh, order of uh, reverse quality. We ended on the best movie of the three. <gasps> yeah. Started with Advent Children. <laughs> I would just like to say that the title of this podcast series is We Love to See It or You Love to See It, but we did not love to see any of these. So I will just stand firmly on that note. <laughs> no, it is it is a fucking fake-ass name. We're all just a bunch of goddamn liars at fanbyte.com. And that is our brand. That's our guarantee here. That's true at fanbyte.com and you can go to fanbyte.com to read all of our wonderful articles including ones written by Ginny Wu yeah and Natalie Flores Ooh. and Colin McGregor you forgot about and me Steven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, and Steven. Steven and Steven and Steven and Steven and Steven and Steven the crystal gems no um <laughs> Yeah, and, and from me. And you can listen to all of our podcasts at fanbyte.com slash podcast. We have a bunch of different feeds. This one is on the fan with, uh feed, but you can also go and listen to Fanbyte FM or go to listen to Fanfight, which also have some really great stuff. And you can follow us on Twitter at at Fanbyte Media. You can follow me on Twitter at at Steven Strum. Where can people find you, Colin? I'll start with you this time. Uh, you can follow me at Beguiled Gamer, B-E-G-U-I-L-E-D Gamer. And how about you, Natalie? <laughs> you can follow me at Hardemisia. That's hard. I-M-E-C-I-A. Great. And where can people follow you, Ginny? Hi, you can follow me at Ginny Woes. That's just G-I-N-N-Y-W-O-E-S. And it's Woes because I'm depressed. That's why we play JRPGs. That's why we watch King's Oh, God. And that is why we watched King's this week. What's that? So who? So what? What's the status on the marriage? We need to know before we end okay, up. Okay, so Nan and I the, agreed. Nan and I agreed that we were gonna go to couples therapy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this could have ended up worse, but yeah. we are not putting a divorce off the table. So if yeah. you want to potentially see a divorce, please be yeah. sure to stay tuned to fanbite.com and yeah. all of our yeah. podcasts. Bring us on to talk about more more shit. Yeah. Like, there you Who go. knows? <laughs> we might divorce one of these days live on the podcast. We didn't deliver it this time, but I think we delivered a pretty good discussion yeah. so you'll enough, like, enough like spicy spicy intimate drama on this podcast yeah <laughs> enough tea that you're like oh that's my cup of tea next time maybe they'll get divorced and i'll just keep coming back until they do and hell we'll, yeah we'll probably yeah. deliver yeah. yeah much like much like kingslave it is just the prelude to something even messier <gasps> yes <laughs> I love that. I Steven, love that. That was us. perfect. We gotta end it there. I yeah, think. and on that note, until next week, you do love to see it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.